Time for shit shooting. How's, yeah, how's it going? Pretty good. I just took a very small nap. Nice. Just took a very small sip of Clyde May's original Alabama style whiskey. Very nice. They're not paying us anything to do that. I just like it. <laughs> so I occasionally get spam emails that are like, monetize your podcast. And I'm like, well, you definitely didn't even read the name of the podcast, <laughs> did you? <laughs> it's a very basic thing to do. Like, are we, right? Are we... Like, it's the email address. Like, come on. <laughs> but what if it, we did that for a very, like, basic-ass brand? Like, communist <laughs> favorite instant coffee is Folgers. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, I've actually discovered, like, I call them, you know, podcast brands, mm. but brands that are, like, always advertised on podcasts. Like underwear type things. and Like underwear, like MeUndies and, and, you know, Blue Apron and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I've tried a couple of these things, and most of them are like, well, this is better than, you know, maybe Target or Walmart. But like not much better, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's a certain tier. It's a certain tier, and it's like eh, it's not bad. But do I need to pay that much money for it? I don't think so. Yeah, I've never gotten anything from a podcast advertisement. I was too influenced. Mm. <laughs> All right, what do you got going on in the in the pot that you want to stir up? Let me check my ingredient shelf. I have. A book that I just finished, Ooh. which I would lend you, but you haven't read the other books that I've lent you. So, <laughs> I'm I'm a good borrower of books, and that I will borrow your books. <laughs> Forever. I'm not a good borrower of the books, and that I will faithfully read them and return them. You know what sucks is I yeah I borrowed a or I borrowed I lent a bunch of books to a friend, and I have no idea how to ask for them back. I was like, what do I? do like do i be like did you read that and also it's cool if you didn't but like can i (laughs) yeah i mean kind of you have to or maybe you say hey i was talking to so-and-so and and they were mentioning this book and i was wondering if you got a chance to read it if you're done Mm. with you know like because surely enough time has passed right so you're like enough time has passed it's been like a year so you could be like you know i was thinking if i could get that back from you i could lend that out to them Mm, that's a good excuse. And then, like, regular human, third party. Yeah, regular human, like, shame is just going to be like, oh, yeah, hey, here you go. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't really, I don't need it. I'm just a baby. I like having all my children home. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then the old adage goes, you know, if you can't let it go, then it owns you. That's true. That's true. Well, the book that I just finished that owns my ass right now is uh, The Possibility of Life by Jamie Green. And contrary to the title, which does sound like it's about abortion or something, or like... Oh, that's you know, like, like space. It is about space. Oh, all right. I really liked it. Some parts were a little, I'm going to be honest, too sciencey and went over my head, or I had to read the paragraph several times. I'm like, I just don't understand that one, buddy. Just going to chalk that one up to a bit of a failure. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, there were a couple of instances of that, but most of it was very easy to follow um, for, you know, a fairly non-science person like myself. But what I, I liked about it was, um, one, it referenced Star Trek so much that it inspired me to rewatch Next Generation. So that's always a hit in my book. Oh, do you have um, 
What is it fucking Paramount or something? I do. I've got a login from from a relative. That's okay. not you. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I might, I might want to steal that. But if you're if you're also stealing it, then maybe not. I can check. I can check. <laughs> See if there's room on the profiles. <laughs> yeah. So it goes into the different theories. It's not like super concerned about like odds of like you know a hundred percent are there you know other beings out there. Is it things. Fermi paradox stuff? They do get into the Fermi paradox okay. um, and they, they get into like the criteria, like what, like we're actually really bad at telling what is alive and what's not alive. Yeah. Like, Cause we just assume us versus mm-hmm. what else could be. Right. Totally. And like we, we have a very uh, human centered way of thinking about, you know, what they would possibly be like the conditions for life. Like we would assume, Oh, it's got to have, you know, X, Y, and Z because that's what we need. When that not, might not be the case, you know, the types of planets that we look for and like the flaws in those systems too. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It goes over lots of different things. But the thing that I wrote down for discussion was the concept of the singularity. Mm. For those not in the know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the singularity, uh, it was used to be used for a lot of different, like that term actually uh, was used for a lot of different things, but uh, now comes to mean uh, the moment when uh, artificial intelligence is realized, you know, um, like true human intelligence robots. Yeah, where we design something that is capable enough to design something better than we could design. Is the, Yes. Like when Once you, a robot has a baby. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a very simplified and stupid way of putting well, it. But, but, you know. but specifically a robot with the creative capacity and the like specifications within itself to transcend itself or transcend mm-hmm. what we designed and do better than that. Like, that's the key point. Yes. Because then, then you get like the self-replication cycle where the next subsequent generations are then able to like do better than that. And then boom, all like... Uh, the the famous quote of you know there are centuries where nothing happens in history and then you know e- years where centuries happen like the, all of a sudden history just happens immediately because they're just like boom 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 here you go yeah it's exponential growth it's it's just it's described this I mean it's described as indescribable in many ways <laughs> um, like like people are like there's no point in theorizing about it because it is so just fucking off the wall bonkers and it it also i think has something kind of to do with like transhumanism too of just like well you know we have made new life what does that mean for humans so do you think that's kind of post-scarcity is what you're kind of tying it into and saying like yeah yeah basically that was my thought you know they they talked about that um uh, what is that term is the fermi paradox the one about nuclear powers um oh about like the cutoff like the the filters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the great filters yeah uh i think fermi paradox at least relates to that because it's one of the possible explanations for why we don't get more shit uh why why we don't find more intelligent life forms out there is that there is a great filter past which civilizations tend not to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the theory being hold on, i'm looking up the reference but you know there is a theory out there saying well, 
eventually you you hit a point where you have atomic power and you can destroy yourself. So that's going to necessarily get rid of a lot of intelligent life. Mm-hmm. If, you know, you even have the right components to begin with. And we can see those components and communicate with them, blah, blah, blah. A lot of things have to happen right. But what I was considering <laughs> mm-hmm. is that I really think, and, you know, atomic question, you know, that's very specific, obviously, but I do think given the amount that a species has to go through, I see very little ways, very few ways they could do that without some sort of communist structure. Uh, Very few ideal ways, I guess I should say. Yeah, uh, that, I mean, I think that (laughs) that does follow sort of a rich tradition in science fiction of imagining extraterrestrial civilizations that can arrive on earth or whatever there's there's a couple there's a few different ways to go at it but one of the you know big branches is basically space communists of of the utopian sense i mean they're they're science fiction is always careful to to differentiate them from the you know the red scare tropes that americans have (laughs) yes by like literally making it so far in the future or like literal aliens things to be like this is different (laughs) yeah but when you strip it down i mean it's just communism i mean they just they just have everything in common literally and they don't have concepts of property and things like this you know but i mean you can go a different direction you can go space mongols sort of thing you can go with a with the borg some sort of a, a cybernetic thing that is hive mind alien to people in the completely different direction, like you were saying with the Fermi paradox kind of opening that, uh, we didn't really explain that, I guess, but for, if you, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Fermi paradox, this is the idea of like, Hey, alien life should be pretty widespread in like a huge fucking universe. How come we're not seeing it? Right. How come we're never like, what's, <laughs> what's wrong with us or what's wrong with our conception of the possibility of alien life out there? Why are we not meeting anybody? You know, well, part of that could be you were saying like that this book you're reading references Star Trek a lot. I think that's one of the things the show does really well is, hey, you know, wow, we just ran into a little chunk of an asteroid belt that itself is a form of life. Like it's just fucking asteroids flying around or something like it's completely not it's an energy cloud or it's just something no one would conceive of his life as a planetar- planetary astronomer or anything. There's, there's also that sort of direction that, that they can go. But yeah, I think on some level, human, <laughs> human like understanding of the future, I wouldn't say like presupposes a communism, but, that's an easy route for our brain to take is like, well, like again, (laughs) we're going to have to make a shirt or something for this of kindergarten communism, because like it just, (laughs) it's our innate sense of like, well, yeah, I mean, like if we were going to just like run the world sensibly and overcome the earth's problems and everything and work together as mankind, then yeah, we would be basically doing socialism. (laughs) It's like a sense we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, even the uh, like what i found interesting is is even the 
I guess, language that a lot of scientists would use or or even science fiction writers is like there is a lot of still colonial language and a lot of like, hmm. oh, like, well, you know, we'll go colonize Mars or we'll go. Yeah, Colon- um, I, I hate it. Like the term, I hate it. We got to come up with a new space wise. What else do you call it? Like settlement. That's also settler colonialism. Like that's bad. Not good either. You know, outpost. But then that's like sort of a military garrison situation. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But no, I, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, this is our confirmation bias here. Like, you know, I'm, I could easily hear someone hearing that that supposition and be like, yeah, fuck you. That's <laughs> you think that because you're communist. Oh, sure. But, what I but think we're right, is interesting. So. Uh, well, we're also right. First off, <laughs> <laughs> we're never wrong. Uh, that's why we have the big podcast mics. We're always right. <laughs> what I what I think is interesting is that the notion of a society that gets a shit together to that extent that it's able to wield that much power. Like this book talked about some really crazy stuff, like Dyson spheres, and and all kinds of fucking shit where they would be able to get to that level of organization of being of organization. Yeah. Like that's, that's extreme. Like to me that either necessarily hints at like a super together society, like very bonded in some way. And that could be, yeah, totally in a fashy way. Um, or they, they are post singularity. And another thing with the singularity, which I think I forgot to make this point first, but we're, we're loosey goosey. Um, <laughs> I like it as a metaphor. I think it could be useful in our discussions because you know how we get bogged down with utopia time. I yeah. get it, right? I, I think the singularity could be a way to say like we can't imagine it. Like that—that that was how the book supposes it as like you know you you just don't fucking know. Like sci-fi writers only go up to that point usually. Once you get to that point, you're talking about like basically there's gods because anything's possible. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I think it's a good metaphor for communism because it's like we're all, we always say, like, you don't know exactly how it's going to pop off. You don't know the conditions. You don't know anything. You don't know what's going to happen until you're fucking there. And then things happen fast. Yeah. So I like that as a metaphor. And it fits because of the, when you're talking about the singularity from the perspective of humankind is you're talking about essentially the transition that humans undergo when they go from being a person, just a regular living their life person to being a parent. Mm. So oftentimes we heard this growing up and stuff. It's like turning a chapter in your life. It's, it's a whole completely different experience, right? Yeah. A lot of people liken it to grief of like, you're not that person anymore. You're a new person. And yeah, and as a species, we will have created a new form of life, basically, you know, and you can get into the semantics of all that, but a creation better than ourselves, you know, something that transcends us more than us, separate from us, that hopefully we've steered in the right direction. That's one of the big things I think about with AI and stuff is you got all these assholes always trying to do a speed run on how fast they can get it to say genocidal shit. (laughs) Truly. And, you know, is that going to be, you know, our main parenting marker on whatever we create in terms of, (laughs) uh, in terms of what comes next. But like, that's, that's sort of, you know, singularity. We can't imagine it. The transition to parent, you really can't conceive of it until you're there is that, yeah, that used to be me. And now I'm this other person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I found this this page that I dog-eared here. Yes, I dog-ear my books. Don't at me. <laughs> it's fine. I always, I'm, I'm always spine-breaking them because if I have a paperback oh, or whatever, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to totally. fold it nice, but people are like, never do that. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Books are meant to be used. If you bought my book, fuck, fuck it up, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This one scientist, Adam Frank, he's an astrophysicist. So, so this is in the chapter on, on SETI and, and similar efforts to, to make contact or imagining what that would be like. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Thank you. Big old radio dishes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I like here is, is he, he talks about uh, our culture lacking a mythology, which I thought was interesting. But he sees the search for for extraterrestrial life and, and you know other life forms out there as a way of us like looking into either the future or the past to determine where we want to go. Like it's like a mirror kind of, uh, which is a lot of what this book is about really. Um, Like what this whole thing says about ourselves and how we view ourselves. Yeah. And, and he says, when it comes to climate change, the only thing close is a story along the lines of we suck. (laughs) So like trying to find uh, like, kind of comfort almost in in finding uh out that countless alien civilizations have come before us and have like hit this crisis point and found a way to overcome it mm-hmm. you know like there's a lot of talk right now about the anthropocene is that how you say it yeah the, the okay. anthropocene like the human era of the world yeah basically the point where we've done so much to the earth that now you can find that in the geologic record so like we've done some stuff Oh, yeah. I think the, like, most widespread human artifact is a cigarette butt or something like that. Oh, my God. That's depressing Probably now it's microplastics, but I'm at sure some point it's in the 90s it was cigarette butt. <laughs> wow. But, yeah, but, like, his, his idea of saying, like, if we can find proof that other societies have gotten through this, maybe that would, like, get our shit together to do the same, which I thought was a very weirdly hopeful take on climate that i don't hear a lot so that's probably why i saved it (laughs) i like it Uh, it it contrasts with my natural sort of contrarian version of that which is when you (laughs) when you take that compared to the vastness of the universe and say well okay um how many times did a civilization pull through that we can detect or whatever how many civilizations Mm -hmm. also met with this great filter and we're filtered out and mm-hmm. that, that's that's we don't have a lot <laughs> that of evidence. Is the other side of it yeah we don't have a lot of evidence to say that we're that that's not going to be us you know <laughs> barring um some sort of a popular revolt that 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 puts the world back in the people's hands but uh <laughs> under capitalism i really don't think we're going to get on the other side of that of that catastrophic event yeah yeah i just it's a clearly inefficient allocation of resources in terms of like, we will run out of this and also a bunch of people are dying and you would hope, and I don't know if this is accurate because again, we just talked about how fucked up AI can be. Um, and I'm not a fan of it right now, but you would hope that eventually a saner society be that super advanced humans or the beginnings of superhuman intelligence would realize that be like oh hold on what are we doing here (laughs) do you think that that also sort of shirks the burden like 
we shouldn't mm. rely on the distant future. We shouldn't rely on no, artificial no, no, intelligence. But right, this, I mean, this would be, let's face it, probably not us millennials. We missed the call. <laughs> I think we missed the boat. We're the, we're, we're the equivalent of the, the Civil War generation where there was supposed to be a hero generation, but um, mm. they like gave into their worst impulses and, and everything just collapsed into the Civil War. You know, that, that's us, the lost, <laughs> the lost heroes. Uh, <laughs> missed our cue. But, you know, actually, if there are millennials out there, y'all are still doing shit, like, do it. But I'm just saying, you know, in our time, in our day and age, really, people should be seeing this as a call to action to actually do shit rather than, I don't, I don't know, I don't want them waiting around for, you know, deus ex machina sort of thing. No, yeah, that's not what I'm trying to say. I think what I would want... I don't know. I had much clearer thoughts on this the other day in my car. Because <laughs> uh, all I wrote is aliens have to be communists, right? <laughs> but you're, <laughs> you're kind of right. Very helpful note. You're kind of right in a way because these are two different uh, scales, right? So you have to have the immediate scale of struggle of we're going to do things in the here and now to make things better. But you also do have to have that sort of dream, right? And this is mm-hmm. why, you know, why else does Engels write about what the the new dawn of hum, humanity escaping our childhood you know why else does he write about that if not to inspire people to what could be you do have to have that sort of like part of it uh something to aim for right yeah yeah like okay i remembered like part of my idea yeah <laughs> Okay, so have you heard, like, the anecdote that, like, the first sign... I don't remember where I heard of this. It might have been a movie or something. But somebody's explaining, like, what's the first sign of civilization? And everyone guesses, like, oh, pottery or art or whatever. And someone's like, it's when scientists found, uh, like, a, you know, early human's bone that was healed. Oh, yeah. And, like, that signifies we had enough, you know, compassion that we, we didn't leave them to die. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that a lot. Um, I actually just finished another book called Dawn by Octavia Butler. And it's about this this race of aliens who, like, pick up a dying Earth, basically. They pick up the last few humans from Earth and are like, all right, we're going to bring your planet back to life and help you guys resettle it and stuff like that. But there's the way their biology works is um, they are constantly exchanging genetic information. And they call our system very hierarchical. Um, and they say that, like, that's that's our big flaw, is that everything is survival of the fittest. And theirs is, is, like, they take what's useful from other people and incorporate it into the next generation very easily. And so, like, the whole book is about, like, humans' discomfort with this idea of, like, hey, we're going to save you and put you back on Earth. But also, like, your babies are going to be a little less human. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it's a really creepy book. It's it's really interesting. Um, but what I, I guess, liked about both that and and the idea of of you know what what makes society, what makes civilization, I view that as that's when we stop becoming. That's when we stop being animals, right? Like we we started taking care of people. Yeah. Not to say like, I mean, you know, I guess like animal parents i guess take care there's a lot of yeah i mean you can get into big debates about 
brain processes and then stuff like that. Yeah, there's a there's a whole big section about dolphins in this book. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like yeah, that's I think it's one of the key things. I'm not gonna say it's the thing because yeah, every like I feel like every five years are like this is what makes you a human is yeah. you can cook or whatever you <laughs> mm-hmm. can use tools you can whatever. So and that and and the whole idea of like our species being very hierarchical reminds me of you know people saying the human nature argument. I yeah. guess. And to me, I'm always like we can go past that. Like I'm almost transhumanist today of like, let's expect better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think one of the reasons why appeals to, well, this is human nature to me, we're always ring so weak is yes. But like so many things are human nature that we, so many bad things that we don't need to do. Right. And, and we deliberately curb those with laws and just social expectations. Like, no, no. Hey, hold on. You cannot just do this. <laughs> because you know your your genes are telling you to like there's there's just so much we don't fucking do in that way and the oh yeah it's natural it's what our but like we don't sorry no like we found a better way to do it and and i think that's the same way with with in a way i think that's the same way with civilization but i think one interesting thing is that we know so little about early I'm talking like prehistoric human civilizations mm-hmm. that a lot of what we assume about the natural story of small hunter gatherers turning into very, all of a sudden very stratified agricultural societies and stuff like a lot of that is actually kind of filled in gaps that we don't really have evidence for. Uh, this is one of the big things of uh, David Graeber's book, the dawn of everything he, oh, I want to read that. It's I've, I haven't finished it. I've really only barely started, I think, but it's still very interesting. Uh, one of the things he talks about is how there actually were pretty complex societies that were still like hunter-gatherer nomadic society type of things, but that still had like essentially a pretty complex political structure, but that were like egalitarian and shit. So it wasn't just yeah. like, oh, there's very small bands that are egalitarian. But then once you had any amount of people, you had to have this, so, you know, stratification. That's not really necessarily a part of quote unquote human nature. That's more of like our, you were talking about the myths earlier. That's more or less kind of our myth that we've built up. Totally, totally. It's, it's a way to enforce the current structure. Yeah. It's, like it's all power. Yeah. It had to come from somewhere and don't you just like having a civilization. So therefore you have to like having <laughs> just a Just let me be king. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, that sort of shit is really interesting to me. It's like a, another form of sci-fi is looking at really early human history and stuff. Cause you don't know, you know, totally, totally. There's, there's some like, you know, we used to coexist with other types of, you know, other species of basically humans. Like, mm-hmm. that's fucking cool. <laughs> what was the uh, name of that book? That... Oh, uh, The Possibility of Life by Jamie Green. And what was the other one by Octavia Butler? Uh, Dawn. It was spooky, man. Because Dawn Ooh. reminds me a little bit of Childhood's End, which I, I think I've mentioned on the show probably multiple times, but it's cool. Uh, by Arthur C. Clarke. Um, so I actually haven't read the book book, but I've, uh, well, no, no, no. I have read the book. Uh, <laughs> and I've watched like the sci-fi channel uh, series of it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and they're both great. 
Is that the one with the alien zoo? Yeah, uh, yeah. The aliens come and they <laughs> fix everything and they turn us into a zoo and Once just again. like treat us nice. And they're just like you that guys are great. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm into that one. But it's this fear Dawn, of like. I would say is creepier than that. Unless that one's more creepy well, than I'm. There's this creepy part where where the where the kids of eventually the 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 last generation of humans are sort of altered in this weird way where they can kind of connect to the alien species that's come, you know, and they can then... Okay, as- that's totally the, the thing that happens in Dawn, so yeah. Yeah, they essentially, like, are able to ascend and, like, bond humanity mm. into their, like, you know, con- collective unconscious sort of thing. You know, yeah, yeah. Their life's essence. And and some humans are kind of grappling with this and be like, oh, we've lost ourselves and stuff. But then others are like, I don't know, it's new, it's cool. Like, we're, you know, <laughs> so it's sort of like that. Ugh. That's why it reminded me of it. Yeah, totally. That's very similar vibes. Man, transhumanism, it's a trip. Yeah, real sci-fi hours here today. <laughs> Thanks for letting me ramble. <laughs> My thoughts were a lot more clear when I was in the back of an Uber staring out the window. <laughs> this was all I could write before I would get carsick. Well, uh, speaking of sci-fi, we do have a couple of um, sci-fi aspirational real estate developments going on in Texas. No, what? Have you heard about these? <laughs> no. They're under the command of one Elon Musk. Oh, he's making company towns again, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? You know the terrifying is, thing is, we teach history so badly, like, people are going to fucking fall for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got a couple of them. Snailbrook, Texas, and Starbase, oh. Texas. Those are both very ominous. Neither one of them has been, like, fully... At- fully like incorporated it's a real ass town Mm -hmm. but there's nothing really stopping him from doing so i mean (sighs) cities are complete creations of their state governments and if you don't think this uh texas state government is reactionary (laughs) enough to give him his own company town here i mean we essentially will just just bend over for any company that looks our way we're the we're the sluttiest state in the union (laughs) in terms of trying to incentivize big business. Oh, yeah. This is crazy. (laughs) I I got this. I watched this in this uh, Wall Street Journal report. And, I mean, Wall Street Journal half the time is to the right of Attila the Hun. But, (laughs) I mean, it was was pretty insightful. They were talking to one of these neighbors who's uh, of of this development who's basically flying drones over the place to spy on what Elon Musk (laughs) is doing with this shit. That's and, hilarious. Uh, yeah, he's just this guy. I don't know, living out there. One of these is in, I forget which one and which one, but like one of these is outside of Austin somewhere. And one of them is. It's not near Taylor, is it? I don't know. Um, I can't find it on the map itself because they're just, they're just starting, you know, I guess. But <laughs> no, one of the things they said in the report was that uh, they, they just, the the company towns or whatever the the projects not just the towns themselves but like whatever they're building out there too you know keep racking up EPA violations <laughs> uh, not just okay. the EPA but also just like the regular ass Texas Railroad Commission like <laughs> environmental guys which these guys yeah. gotta understand are like dollar store versions of the EPA like they're oh yeah half 
half, if not three quarters, if not seven eighths in the pocket of big oil. <laughs> no, they essentially are like it's called the railroad commissioner. It's not called I care about trees guy. Yeah. And, and <laughs> they've gotten all these violations and they just keep racking up fines and shit that they have to pay oh they just pay just it dumping water dumping like waste into the colorado river and all this shit <laughs> like they're just like completely polluting the place jesus christ and nothing you know nothing's being done about that when reports came out about you know that that Snailbrook, this one community was doing that or whatever elon musk just tweeted yeah this is false but then didn't like say anything about that like why it was false you know <laughs> he just said oh yeah you know <laughs> he it's never, false i mean he's full mask off at this point like he's just fucking fascist yeah and the added dimension of like you were saying company towns that <laughs> is not just gonna not happen here i mean like he's totally going to uh, to run this place as dictatorially as he can oh Absolutely. He's already doing that with just Twitter. And that's a place where people can literally just log off and not have to deal with it. (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, Oh, so one one quick correction. I said, we're so bad at teaching history that people don't remember it. It's also intentionally not taught. Let's put it that way. I think that's a a more accurate way to put it. (laughs) For sure. Uh, You hear about Florida. They're they're continuing their textbook um, approval process and everything and they struck down uh-huh. the, i think the majority of the textbooks that they were presented with because of one you know quibble or another of like saying oh yeah there was like the black lives matter movement and stuff which arguably was too recent to be in history textbooks i mean maybe. yeah yeah that's all we get like no one ever gets those chapters very ambitious people maybe <laughs> yeah or like just <laughs> any little thing and we talked about before how like their you know their discussion of rosa parks and the civil rights movement mm. certain groups of people didn't like <laughs> What they liked mean? to wear red shoes. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been very, I don't know. I'm still on the sinking ship that is Twitter, and it is it has changed so much. And it, it's just like every, under every comment, is just a horde of the stupidest fucking people you've ever seen with blue checks next to their, their name. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, what are you doing? It's just I don't know. It's insane. Uh, and and yeah, he's full full mask off. Just bold face. Is it bold face or bald faced? Uh, I've said it both I ways. Bald. I don't really know. I think bald face is technically Probably right. More correct. I don't know. He's just fucking lying <laughs> out his ass about everything. About how oh he did the whole like oh I just came from a, a middle class family and. <laughs> Just just insane shit that's, like, very easily proven. With a mom and pop diamond mind. Or whatever <laughs> Emeralds, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, sorry. And it was only, oh, no, one of his defenders got in there, fucking fell on the sword for this guy. He's like, it was only a 40K stake. And I'm like, all right, first off, imagine you have 40K in your bank account right now. <laughs> a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. Now imagine that 40K is able to be put away. <laughs> it was, no, sorry, it was also given to you at birth. Yeah, that too. You didn't have to do anything for that 40K. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Speaking of people who don't do anything for what they have. Mm, well, we got landlords. Well, lords funds. of some sort. I thought maybe you would have been keeping up oh. avidly with the coronation, the crowning oh, ceremony. 
of the rightful monarchs of the United Kingdom. I did Google his hands because I kept seeing pictures and I was like, how much of this is Photoshop? No. And I was like, no, surprisingly not. It's so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's really bad. That would just suck to deal with. I don't really want to hit him oh, on no, that. Yeah. It's just I don't want to like, <laughs> no, that's fucked up. But like, he probably shouldn't be having, you know, he, sh- he just should be resting maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the world was sort of all paying attention to the spectacle that was. Uh, the marvelous coronation of the of the new king and queen consort. It was funny because I was like, I was kind of of two minds because I was like, yeah, this is like stupid because for all the reasons that monarchy is stupid, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're just they're they're <laughs> regular reasons. They're robbers. Mm-hmm. You know, they they plundered what they have. Uh, this particular royal family is also very racist. We know this. Yes. But I don't know. I was also like thinking they're not like structurally a lot worse than like your typical oligarchs that we have here of Bezos or Musk or whoever. I mean, concentration of power wise. I was I was thinking something similar because I, I think I told you I was I was keeping up with the Met Gala mm-hmm. and I was like. Rich people, if you're going to be rich people right now, I don't want you to exist. But if you have to exist, entertain me a little. <laughs> Put on a crazy dress that I can look at. Show me your crazy jewels. <laughs> I don't want you to exist. Let me make that perfectly clear. Yeah. But put on a good show at least yeah, if you're you going get to. The ancient scepter of whatever and the dumbass <laughs> orb of St. Bartholomew of and scrotums or whatever. Yeah, it's bizarre shit. It's like a it's like insane. Like a a drunk GM came up with all the, you know, all this stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, like you're in a fucking what St. Edward's chair with all the names carved into it yeah. and shit. Like oh oh oh, we just looted the the fucking emerald encrusted dragon. What did we find? Oh fuck, uh, you guys found uh, <laughs> the crown of the imperial state and the uh, the the sword, <laughs> the temporal sword. And you, <laughs> what? Fine. What sure? does it do? I'll tell you next session. I don't, I don't know yet. <laughs> Dude, okay, what was funny is, I mean, obviously, this is the first coronation in a hot fucking minute, lifetime. right? In our lifetime. Like, and, and the last one, they didn't in have, like... In our parents' like, lifetime, this is uh, 1950s, I think, when she... Yeah. <laughs> so, but what's funny is, now that there's, like, color photography, first off, that's how long we're fucking talking. Yeah. Is everything looks way more ridiculous. Like, people are like, this looks like some medieval time shit. Like, like not... Oh, like, literal it's, medieval it's times like the company yeah <laughs> it's garish as fuck and like you get these crazy close-ups on jewels they're these horrible like <laughs> it's costume jewelry it's it's costume jewelry it looks <laughs> insane there was this one lamp that was like it was literally like a black man statue holding up like a lamp and i'm like what are you what are we doing here guys like you can't just yeah. do that i saw a few pieces like that in Munich, in Germany, in like the, mm, mm-hmm. the palace, you know, the state palace there or whatever. I, I, I thought it was like ludicrous or whatever, but. It was insane. That was the times, man. Yeah. Different times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, fucked up because the same people who are just like, oh, that's, that, that's fine. I mean, you know, oh, those are the times are, are the ones who are uh, totally in charge. I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> as a class, I should say, because like functionally yeah, like they're it. not. Like they don't really have a lot of powers in government, probably much less than again our oligarchs do in the mm-hmm. United States, but still they are nominally in charge of of like the, of the British government and that they could technically like dissolve it and shit like that. Yeah, like a, a fucking giant diamond from Africa is like in one of the scepters or whatever. Like they're the ones that got to rob the place. So of course they think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and how did they get that? You know, that wasn't peacefully wrought. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's very bloody, not directly, but indirectly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, not it something people want to, yeah, not something people want to grapple with, with imperialism and everything is where did all these artifacts and mm-hmm. things come from? And I think there's been a big thing with museums and stuff lately. Oh yeah. Of trying to, of, well, I think at this point repeatedly claiming that they were going to, <laughs> and then finally people like, are y'all doing that? You know, going back and actually going through their <laughs> collections. Asking, circling back around. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll fucking see. Uh, cause I mean, the fact of the matter is a lot, you know, the tradition of museums is also rooted in, in like white supremacy and imperialism and all that shit too. So like, you know, it, given our system, that is run by imperialism and capitalism. Museums are also run by rich people too. So they're going to do some fucked up shit. You're saying even the concept of museums uh, is... I think as it stands today, I think the big ones, I think I mean, like even like when I went to the Louvre, they're like, yeah, this painting got stole by Napoleon and then they stole it back. Like it was just a big tug of war over this big, like he stole the biggest fucking painting in the place. It was just like, this is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> and damaged it in the process. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, well, for uh, sure, historically, it's been terrible, but you could maybe envision a version of. You can, you totally can. Like local or within mm-hmm. popular control. But. Even the ones that are, you know, yeah, they didn't steal their art. You also have to say, all right, how do museums get money? Rich people. Rich people. Rich people, <laughs> maybe some grants. And yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's a showcase. And as Carnegie said, this is a, a healthy showcase. You know, a good mm-hmm. a good outlet for your money where they're, you know they're not going to be spending it on booze. They have to go out into the public <laughs> sphere they have to be approved of people in order uh. to enter. It's a sanitized, uh, progressive movement sort of outlet for yeah. charity. Museums, sorry, if you work in a museum, I'm not saying like, it all sucks. No, dude, but I'm just saying sure. the system sucks and it's affected by it. I, I Yeah, I think <laughs> that, that our show stands as a fan of going to museums like and museums. experiencing them and everything. But we could do better in terms of how we organize them how we mm-hmm. you know we want them in we want them to serve the people like they're serving them but reflect the people and be under be you know more of the people than they are totally. rather than sort of a you know some some more crumbs i mean we, we've, we've had enough of that you know yeah i mean we we're talking about mythology earlier and like the company towns it just it makes me think like, I don't know, we've talked about generational theory before and we mentioned it even in this episode with company towns. It just, it feels like we have such short memories as humans. Oh, and yeah. the ones that are really long memories are things like 
traditions like kings. And it's just, it's very frustrating. Just like, why, why don't we remember the difficult stuff too? So we stop fucking up and become reactionary every like second generation. <laughs> yeah. And it's particularly frustrating coming from the left because I mean, if you're living in some place like West Virginia and you're in, in a, in a hyper Republican state, you, you know, you're, Governor Jim Justice is is talking about running for Senate when he's millions of dollars in debt from various companies that have that just don't pay their bills. They they just don't, and they just write it off because of whatever you know. And he's he's been same as kind of Elon Musk's things, racking up EPA violation after EPA violation, and not doing anything about it. And people eat it up because what he's a Republican. He's he's like Trump, and he's going to stick it to the the liberals and all this and whatever. And you're living in a place where, you know, where you, where you had people in that town fighting the federal government and Pinkerton thugs and the cops and everybody else. And t- just taking up literal guns against them, fighting the battle of Blair mountain to take these guys out because they were, they were trying to win a union. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you're at. Like, those are your, what, fucking grandparents? Maybe great-grandparents? Not probably grandparents for most of them. At this point, probably great, but still. I'm bad at math. <laughs> it's in, this, uh, you know, on the cusp, I, I think, of living memory. That's 100 years ago now. I mean, we're like that in so many things. So many things. Ugh. I mean, like the Holocaust, <laughs> the the civil rights movement, the black Panthers, like all those things have just been so deliberately erased and, and questioned. And it's just sickening to watch. I would say the way we even, the way we treat queer people, like that's been super aggressive. Yeah. It's, it's just so like, I don't know. One of my favorite movies is the birdcage and that movie couldn't come out today. (laughs) It keeps, yeah, it keeps getting rolled back. I feel like, I feel like we're in a, we're in a period of, we're in a, in a in a moment, and hopefully it's just a moment, and not an entire period. But we're in a moment of like reactionary, a reactionary moment. I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 a clawback. They are we're we're seeding ground. They're taking back and and fighting not only fighting back for positions that they had previously lost, but regaining ground and and, and like pushing forward. You know, or I guess we say pushing backward. It's gonna be one of those episodes. I, I know we started talking about sci-fi, but we, we're now into the dystopian hour. <laughs> uh, well, we do have some bright spots. Um, okay. So there's some labor struggles going on. Mm, who we got on the docket? So some of them we've mentioned before. We mentioned um, the teachers, the teacher strike in Oakland. Hell yeah! How are they doing? It's, so that's going forward. They they did, <gasps> and they're, yes. they're, this is a teacher strike that's ongoing now. Fuck it's enters, yes. I think it enters its fourth day. Uh, Oakland Unified School District is uh, basically doing bad faith negotiating mm. uh, with their uh, teachers there, and the and yeah, the Oakland Education Association, their teachers union there, is saying. So the school district is uh, communicating with parents through its like parent portal or whatever, mm-hmm. and they're going out and saying, "Oh, look at look at what we want to do for like the teachers. We want to raise their pay and do all this stuff." But then when they show up to the union meetings, they don't have any of that in fucking writing. 
Oh my god! And they're just they just show up arms crossed and they're like, oh yeah, what's your deal? Like, what do you want? You know, what's your proposal? But they don't like come out with the fucking shit that they're bragging about that they're going to do to their teachers. You know? Wow. And, wow. And wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's like every they, company when they list their values and shit. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're plastering that all over the place. But, and there's also some bureaucratic element too, where like the school board versus the district, like negotiator people, there's, there's all this like, Oh, you can't do it with our authority, without our authority, but we won't give you authority sort of thing. Like there's, there's just layers that they're, and they're just red taping it. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And they're they're striking for to to stop school closures which are disproportionately targeting minority communities and not saving the district any money. Mm. Uh so so they're they're claiming, "Oh, yeah, we can't do this because of expenses, but it's actually like when when you just tally in, okay, well, we're going to have to ship kids to these different schools." it doesn't actually end up saving the district any money. So what are they actually doing? They're actually just targeting poor communities. No. Okay. So I learned about this recently. Like I'm a dummy and I didn't really realize what school vouchers meant. Mm -hmm. Uh, But actually it was weird. I, I, and this is very telling. I got an an Uber and the guy was, he actually ran for, for uh, district like council in my neighborhood and I voted for him. And I was like, what's up, dude? He was really cool. Uh, and he like works yeah. in the school district and he was just like, you know, he was just talking about it and stuff. And he was just like, yeah, vouchers. I mean, they'll tell you it's about school choice, but it's really, it's a fucking scam essentially is like what they do is mm-hmm. they are able to target kids and say, okay, like we're going to get this kid we in pick here. pick our students. They pick their students mm-hmm. and it's not based their money that they get. So like most school districts, the money they get is based on what the money gives them from the state. And that's based on attendance. Yep. Voucher programs don't have to do that. Charter schools don't have to do that. They can just like take the money and run. If that kid leaves, it's not their fucking problem. Yeah. And they just get to keep the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, somebody's like, is the mafia behind this? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, the, the mafia is essentially behind it. And what does the mafia do? So the mafia is setting up some sort of a Scooby-Doo type real estate mm-hmm. scheme where they then like rig the market to fail or to succeed whatever you know and then they they reap the rewards and that's exactly what charter schools and, and this sort of school choice movement and stuff tries to do is it tries to say oh well you know we're gonna have this alternative it's gonna be great or whatever with no certification requirements <laughs> so yeah and then we're going to also like just because we want a fair playing field we're gonna also like uh avail ourselves of the money that public schools <laughs> get and so what does that do that shrinks the pie for the public mm-hmm. schools so they get less money the charter schools get you know more money from from whatever and they that don't do anything is. with it they the, yeah so so they get to do whatever they want with it which is presumably part of it is trying to provide some sort of an education whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, and maybe. another part of it is going to their corporate structure and mm-hmm. all that. but the side effect of this and i think this is the big like the the mafia style part of it is like it's burying the competition. Yes, exactly what happened with with public transportation. Yeah, in terms of public transportation, in terms of uh, any, if you look in the British example of the National Health Service, oh, where they're trying yeah. to strip that down to its bare bones, is this is taking money away from a public good, and then turning around and pointing at the public good and saying, "Look at how bad it's doing." Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because why? Well, because you took so much money from it. And because <laughs> now you're wondering, well, where are all the teachers going? Well, because they have to buy, you know, uh, half or more of their supplies mm-hmm. if they're going to have a functioning classroom. And, and society's looking down on them because they haven't had a pay raise in 20 years. And this society values people based on how much they're paid. And it's, it's fucked up. But like, it's insane. It is, it is so like that that scene in uh racket trousered philanthropist where the council like buys off that electric yeah. plant or whatever mm-hmm. and runs it to the ground and they're like we can blame socialism for it like look how <laughs> socialism failed yeah <laughs> it's insane <laughs> it just it drives me nuts and it, it just you constantly see this out in the world people be like well you want the government to run things look how bad they are at it and it's like yeah. why do you think that is <laughs> yes and so the tactic is not to go out and say, you know, my brother in Christ, how stupid you are. Like, you know, <laughs> don't just like go to various people and be like, how could you be so stupid? It makes sense. Regular people mm-hmm. should totally be baffled by this because they have the entirety of like their society. Their, their whole experience like, has told them this, that public schools yeah, are bad yeah. and public transportation is dangerous. I'm talking more specifically in Texas. Like there's places where those things aren't true, but sure. for the vast yeah. majority of our country, I would say a lot of those things hold up. Yeah. I mean, we, we call the, those, those are the, the dream jobs. You go mm-hmm. up to fucking Massachusetts or something where they have a teacher's union. Oh, and it's like, whoa, wow. You know, but yeah, it's, it's so hard to escape from because it's this organic conspiracy mm-hmm. it's 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 not we all always like to say no no smoky back rooms or whatever right no but, twirling mustaches yeah but <laughs> it it still is happening in that sense it's it's, it's an intrinsic thing is bubbling conspiracy. up yeah it's like how are you gonna fucking figure that out and i mean it, it you can it takes time and you know, you can you can kind of slowly work on people and, and get them to figure figure some of the shit out as long as you leave out the the, the scary the words, scary words. Yeah, but <laughs> we should do a whole episode where we we don't have any of the scary words. <laughs> we just we come out. We just talk about the history ch- of public transportation in the most neutral way possible, and and like and then this guy like oh that's weird you know like we don't actually say we should yeah we should channel our East Texas with that too. And, <laughs> do a little bit well how could that okay how could that well, be? Yeah. <laughs> why is this happening <laughs> uh but uh, yeah um yeah how are the teachers doing though where what we got off track here <laughs> as usual no it's cool so school closures they want more nurses and counselors yeah, and social they fucking workers need those. for sure teachers are being relied on i saw this horrible story about the fucking child labor issue happening right now they they showed mm-hmm. some photos of these fucking they're little kids man they couldn't have been i'm bad at telling kids they just they couldn't have been more than 12 working in a oh, louisville had 10 year olds working in its mcdonald's oh my god this one though 10 it was a slaughterhouse jesus that's a so, bad job for anyone slaughterhouses have like mental health concerns yes. for adults like that's that work like there that's super dangerous, both physically and mentally. And you're putting literal children in there. And, you know, I, I went to look at the thread, of course, because I'm a monster. And uh, But what broke my heart is a, a teacher was like, yeah, I've seen kids come in falling asleep in class, like, mm-hmm. who, who are affected by this. Like, I know that's what's happening. Like, yeah. teachers are social workers at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for, uh, that was uh, New York Times expose was talking about that too. Teachers just dealing with that of saying, "No, I know. I mean, this kid has like a full time job. Mm-hmm. Like, I and uh, honestly, that's what I would do is like sort of give them the space, give them the oh, extra totally, time or totally. whatever. But you don't have like the means of doing anything about no that you know. And and this that sort of thing of the type of society that would just at best say oh my goodness we've got to do something about that and then not do anything about it <laughs> it's horrible or, or shrug their shoulders and say this is the price that we've got to pay for you know a couple extra billion dollars in war aid to ukraine or um three dollar uh you know happy whatever it is you know our and, but that's what that, I, that's not even it though it's not like we're getting cheaper food it's it's we're getting one guy we're getting more profits for the company so we're not even, yeah, we're not we're even making that. that sort of a Faustian <laughs> bargain. It's just that we, we're we all held up by the same highwayman that's just <laughs> pocketing the rest of the we're fucking We're going to steal your kids. And so, so it's worse because, like, we're all being corralled into an immoral, like, something that we understand is, like, bad. And we can't do anything about it because we're too beholden to this system that says that these guys got to get everything. You know, and and, and yeah. so like they're they're forcing us. It's not like we're even willingly sacrificing our children into the arms of the the burning brazen idol <laughs> to to sacrifice them for the next war or something. Like we're not even consciously getting to do that in an actual evil act. We're just like forced into it as slaves. Just like oh, these guys are are gonna do this on our behalf. That's our children, and so what? You know. I mean, and, and you do have people willing to defend that. And there were people in that fucking yeah. comment saying, it's fine to have a job as a child. Like, what is, I'm sorry that you had to do that. <laughs> well, there's a difference you know, though, I, but like, oh, there's a right. lot of bad faith arguments, obviously of like, oh, I, I did it, worked for my family business or mowed lawns or whatever the fuck. Like, exactly. You didn't work in a fucking slaughterhouse. That's a different thing. The same fucking thing that the boomers will do. Or just misguided people in general. I don't want to make it too generational, but like... <laughs> we have a few boomer listeners. Yeah, but like, you know, some people who will say, oh, I worked part-time. You know, like, I worked part-time in college. It didn't have anything to do with, like, <laughs> actually my, like, living expenses and paying mm-hmm. for college. It was grossly, like, disproportionate mm-hmm. in terms of the amounts. But like, yeah, back in the day, when your city or your state government was paying more than half of your tuition bill back then in the crazy communist utopia that was like the 1950s in America. Oh. Okay, yeah, then back when you could pay part-time and pay for college, sure. But yeah. that's like a completely different universe. It's just not a thing. It's not a thing. <laughs> uh, oh. The teachers are doing well. They, uh, they want that one of their key demands is actually raising their pay to the median pay for the for the area wow they don't even wow wow yeah they're not trying to get anything crazy yeah they are in the bottom of the barrel right now and they want to be like at the median (laughs) pay for that region oh wow i'm sure they have a strike fund uh give that a google and show them some support if you live in the area show up yeah because they're you know dealing with that Their, their school district also is I saw this uh, Jacobin interview with a couple of teachers involved in it. Uh, And the school district is incredibly like bloated 
in terms of administration at oh, the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so get this. Uh, central administration. We're not talking your mom and pop uh, principals and assistant principals. <laughs> yeah, these are the assistant superintendents and assistant to the assistant, all that bullshit. These guys, yeah. Central admin office. All right. Uh, if you compare the Oakland school district with a nearby same region, same cost of living and stuff nearby district that has 10,000 more students than they do. Oakland is spending $20 million more <laughs> what the fuck? on central admin compared to these guys. That could, that's $20 million that could be going to teachers and kids. Yeah. But instead it's going to some fucking guy to like sit around and pretend to send emails all day. Yeah, so oh my God. that's why, yeah, the they're Education Association's slogan is chop from the top. We got to get these guys out. So hopefully we that. can help them and they can succeed and get some get some help for the teachers out there. Yes. they need it. Yes. Uh, there's also the writer's strike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been following that on, on Twitter and such. It's been interesting. What are people on Twitter saying about it? Uh, I mean... Mostly, mostly supportive and mostly making jokes about 2007 when the last writer's strike was and how bad it was mm. <laughs> in terms of quality of television. Oh, like content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what I, I did see an interesting argument, though, of, of once that strike was over and we, we had, you know, fucking professional writers again, we really saw the rise of prestige television. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> oh, so it was like related. That that was kind of the, the, the theory. The yeah. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, so the screenwriter strike, I guess this past week, is when it kicked off for real. From my understanding, they had the Writers Guild of America was doing contract negotiations with like the studios and the streaming services and the networks, and that broke down, and so they're like, oh, we're going on strike. They're fighting for a 3% raise. Yeah, that, <laughs> so that seems to be over residuals... Like the mm. amount of money they would get from the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently that has been shrinking a lot. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Especially with streaming. Of course they want to shrink that. That's the thing is, yeah, the streaming, more and more of the streaming services are running what they're call, what the, the industry calls mini rooms, which seem to be like uh, essentially turning writing into like a temp job sort of thing. Um, like they'll employ these writers to like churn out like a pilot script and like some episodes or something, you know, churn out some thing and then maybe it gets picked up. Maybe it doesn't. And then this is sort of a way to get around like high, like ordering a whole show. Oh, and so you don't have to credit them or you mean, you know, even if you credit them with like, you know, original characters by or whatever it is. You don't have to pay for the whole thing because, like, it was up and it was up in the air whether or not it would be even taken in the first place. Right, like wow. it's it's sort of broken down. That's insane. So you're eliminating essentially the writing room as a concept of like you know just having a dedicated team. I mean, you can fucking tell sometimes <laughs> just the the haphazard way in which shows are picked up and and canceled. Like, did you see that one image? There is this one like. It, it looked like some sort of superhero show. And, and everyone was like, it, it was this thing, like this $100 million show from Netflix gets canceled. And all the comments were like, I've never seen this image in my life. I have no idea what show this is. <laughs> like, is this just money laundering? 
yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and a lot of it's just straight shady. But in terms of the working conditions, another thing is they were all, they're also raising questions about studios and and streaming services and everything using AI. Yes. Yes. Like everyone is trying to get. Uh, in their contracts, they want specific protections against AI, which I think is super fucking smart. Well, how does that even work? What what, do you, what would you do in your contract to say, no AI, please? And you'd have a clause in there of like, hey, you can't, you, you know, have an, I guess, I assume, uh, you can't have an AI, like, chat, GBT, as part of your writing process. Like, I'm not involved in any of that shit. Or you can't feed my scripts into an AI so you can write future episodes and fire me. Um, oh, shit like that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's great. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting to follow, uh, just cause I, I, you know, the comics world and the animation world butts up against each other sometimes. So, so the animation guild is separate from, from the writer's guild, but they are also like, you know, they're in solidarity. I don't believe they are striking solidarity unless I'm mistaken, but you know, they're definitely showing their support and however they can. And it's, it's been interesting because, um, there's been a lot of like kind of warnings going around in like the comics community of like, Hey, if someone right now comes to you and offers to pick up your idea as a show, don't do it. Cause that makes you a scab. <laughs> mm, yeah. They're trying to get around that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I thought was really that interesting. Cause you know, Hollywood can totally use its reputation and, you know, get you really excited about something and inadvertently make you a scab. Yeah. And you would have no idea if you weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also saw like a thread about, you know, people, I think, have an idea of, oh, well, you're a writer in Hollywood. You must be making tons of money. And like we were saying, like even, you know, the streaming model has changed that so much. But it was breaking down like the actual finances of like, what does it mean to sell a show at this point? And like, how much is the person actually walking away with? And it was like, it was very interesting. Um, it was It was not as much as you would think. <laughs> I mean, it reminded me of like the sobering numbers of becoming an author. Like I think people think, oh, you know, you must have made money on that. And it's like, no, but I had to have money to have time to write the book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like very few people make a living from being an author unless you're like fucking Stephen King or Jody Picoult or whatever. (laughs) Right. And there's a certain amount of being able to, live for free on it sort of thing or have some other income. Yeah. There is a privilege in who gets to have the time to do this. Like we talked about with like Nepo babies and shit, but yeah, the actual takeaway ain't that much. <laughs> so solidarity with those guys. Yes. Uh, you know, I know. Yeah, sure. It's Hollywood or whatever. They're workers. But, I mean, yeah, they're fucking workers. Like they're on the same side. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to say which side are you on. Yeah. You know, and, and are they the, are they the guys that are, that you know own your company and lay your friends off and you know uh, cut your wages or cut your benefits or make your health insurance more expensive? No, you know they're not they're not the guys. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they they have their own version of that. They have their own asshole that they're fighting against, and you guys could sit at a bar and fucking bitch about those guys all day long. Like I mean, like you you would be on the same side of that fight you would have the same complaints about this horrible system that we all find ourselves in and we have to liberate ourselves <laughs> from to get into that that brave uh sci-fi future <laughs> that we were talking about at the beginning 
Uh, I did see a couple of tweets about, I haven't actually watched the show, but the show Andor is apparently like, has some- It's a little bit. Yeah, has some cool revolutionary themes. So uh, from my understanding, it doesn't, uh, from my understanding, it's big revolutionary theme is that it doesn't paint the revolutionaries as a comical bad guy. Cool. Okay. Big fucking Is all I've understood from it. It's like it it sort of humanizes and it's like, oh, I've given up a lot to be a revolutionary. And it's like. Sure. But I, I do need to watch it. I, I haven't, watched, haven't watched it. it but. but I don't know if I will because uh, this show that everyone like was like, wow, it's so cool and like kind of vaguely left uh, is continuing production during the strike. <laughs> so like to me, that is just chef's kiss sums up fucking performative culture liberalism nonsense. I would add, is it writing new episodes? or So, so production is a lot different than the writing uh, apparently um yeah no but i read about that too and apparently writers are saying no you need someone on set because when you don't if you have to like rewrite a line or work you with an actor thing. Yeah, yeah you need it you need somebody there <laughs> so so if you don't do that you're just blindly you're fucking okay. stuck with whatever you had at the beginning okay all right so from what i understand them. what i understand all right but. minus one for andor <laughs> i just i also I think I have a Disney Plus login somewhere, but like, I just don't want to. I have too many and I just don't need it in my life. Oh, we can lend. We have that one. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what did we get that one for? I don't remember. What we it's, that's the thing. We have we, such a we network. Are, we're all paying too much for all we of it. We really we are. Which ones we have. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about media literacy and, and how it relates to capitalism too, just because the I, like i you know there was a <laughs> screenshot of like the le- the latest uh four live action disney movies and it's like who are these four <laughs> just like who actually like genuinely enjoys these and like it's it's just a way to capitalize on nostalgia but like it it someone described it as like it's not art of like you know it's just so like ugh, it's just everything's so drab and everything's it's just pastiche yeah yes yes i don't know i have a real I have a real concern about about the quality of art happening. I mean, not just, you know, in terms of, like, mass media. I don't know. Not to be a fucking Marvel Disney hater. I know that's, like, not an original take, but I am. <laughs> no, it's not. But, I mean, sure, people went from creating... New things. Creating Michelangelo's David to <laughs> drawing it. And here's and the thing. Michelangelo's David... It's fucking fan fiction. Let's be real. <laughs> it's a fan fiction of a book he really liked. It's It wasn't new. He didn't come up with the idea of like, what if this boy fought a giant? But he like added to the story. Right. <laughs> and, and I don't think something... these adaptations are adding to any sort of story. And no, it's, it's more plugging it into a plugging it into various algorithms and coming up with something else. It really does feel like that. And like, it feels like, like I was, I was trying to, go back and leave reviews for books I had read because now that I'm an author, I'm like, reviews are important. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was I was looking at my, my favorite sci-fi series uh, from Becky Chambers and there were so many people in, in the reviews that were like, there's just not enough plot in this book. And I'm just like, not everything has to be plot. <laughs> I just want to yell that into the sun. Oh, they're like, it's just, it's not very, I was expecting an action adventure, blah, blah, blah. And like, they were just expecting typical sci-fi. And like, I'm like, this is fucking right. brain rot is what you have. Like, it's a beautiful character study and it's complex. And like, 
to me, books are like a, such a ideal fucking place short. for that. Well, this is her other series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say. Those are also, they're also fairly short, but yeah, that, those are like novellas. These are uh, proper today, novels. Today, so we're doing state testing, which is just an exercise in boring Ugh. a hole in your brain. Uh, you can't be on any sort of technology or whatever. So my workaround is that I print in eight point font short stories oh. on paper. And so like when I walk around, that's what I, that's what I do. I just read these because it's boring otherwise. Yeah. Um, and one of mine, I was, I think it was Vonnegut. Um, so I, I like old sci-fi. So I do like Vonnegut, uh, Philip K. Dick, Asimov, just, yeah, some old 50s, 60s stuff. It, it does have its problematic points like we covered in total recall how it's just like oh yeah her boobs were this color you know whatever but um this one i was reading was like okay what would be the plot point of this was this like old lady who had been um i think this is ray bradbury actually uh this old lady had uh invested in this rocket trip to rocket trip from mars to Meet the Almighty. Wow. And she'd, you know, been swindled multiple times before, your classic televangelist sort of, mm-hmm. you know, customer. And uh, all the old people are there on the old people resort, and they're, they're, they're going to go to the rocket. And then the guy comes out, and he's like, oh, no, sorry, there's going to be a delay about a week. They're all pissed, and she leads them all in kind of a revolt. Like, no, we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna see. We're gonna take this. And the rocket turns out to be a piece of shit. Like, oh, you robbed us of all our money, or whatever. Oh but she's like, "That's fine. We're gonna take the rocket up. You're gonna be our navigator." And they just get in the rocket or whatever, and strap him down, and put on the all suits, and they go up in the rocket. This is like a a three page short story. It's so short. And they just go up and the rocket explodes and they get just get launched <laughs> oh, no. and he gets launched into the sun and uh. she gets launched out and whatever. And she's like, I, I did it. I'm Aww. getting closer to the Almighty. And it's just like, That's what lovely. kind of plot was that? You know, what, what was the plot there? What was the, you know, know. The, the character development? But it's, it's poignant. Like it has a thing. It to has say. a thing to say. And like, I, I think I've gotten a more appreciation for it since I started reading nonfiction. We're like, obviously, there's no plot, but like, it'll it'll fucking get you in circles. I think a good nonfiction book will, you know, obviously have a theme throughout that that keeps you going, but it also takes mm-hmm. you down all these delightful little roads. And by the end, you're like, yeah, I don't know exactly what was the point, but like, I learned a lot of fun shit. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of little little moments. It's like, oh, that's that's true. Or yeah. this is. This speaks to humanity. Ah, Ugh, I just, just I plot. Fuck it. I don't want to plot unless it's a revolutionary plot. Plot is good. It can be good, but like I mean, it's not all of it. It's, <laughs> oh, it's not all there is in life. It doesn't always have to be uh, witty one-liners and and big action punches. <laughs> so that just happened. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't with that. I just. I fear. I fear for the culture. I know that makes me sound like an old fart, and I don't care. <laughs> There's plenty of good shit going on out there. There is. There wanna, is. You know, but I guess what maybe what to more accurately articulate what you're saying is more a fear for how are you going to get the ideas that especially younger up and coming people have, how are you going to get that out to people? Yes, yes. Because it's like locked away. 
behind either an algorithm or behind the studios or behind whatever. Yeah, you, know? you, you have to really cultivate a love of reading now. Like, like I have to make it a point to be like, no, I'm not going to engage my little, my little serotonin box. I'm going to sit here and read. And oh, it's, dude, I, it's so hard. <laughs> I turned on one of like one of the TikTok features or whatever to mm-hmm. cut me off after 40 minutes. <gasps> wow. And it's kind of cool. Like, cause I'll actually, I'll still do it. <laughs> but like, uh, after a couple of videos, I'd be like, Oh, all right, that was kind of funny, and I like shut it off or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is kind of good. Yeah, you know, find something else to do or whatever. I like ration it more, and then when it cuts off, I'm like, oh, well, it's good off. I was on that a little too much, you know. And I'll no, I getcha, I getcha, and like, because I just hate losing like two hours to it. You know? Oh no, yeah, that's when you start to feel bad. You're like, oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely that way too with like podcasts and and just playing stupid phone games. Like, and it's just, I gotta get away from it sometimes. But no, like I, I think my concern is is about mass media, and it's it's, you know, we I think we talked about this when you know maybe a year or two ago. Like, did you see when people had really bad, like Marvely style, brain rot takes on Ukraine of all things? Like they were like Jeez, acting yeah. like Zelensky is a fucking superhero. <laughs> yep. I mean, it reduces everything to good guys and bad guys. Yeah, that is a a, a side story, a B plot, and the people. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, the people who are suffering through that. No, no, are, no, no. I'm not talking about that in particular. I mean, never mind. <laughs> but, no, but like the ruling classes and everything. I mean, that's yeah, those the are the bad plot. guys. <laughs> that's 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 just different groups vying for supremacy yeah yeah and no you can say this group is a little worse this group's a little better and this is this is a fair distinction to make you know but who is suffering at the end of the day i mean these are these are two societies that are crushing their own people yeah totally in very in different ways and stuff but like that's who you've got to be on the side of and your your cheerleaders for the ruling class of either side are going to come out and say oh it's it's us you've got to support us and whatever but like you know, it was Eugene Debs, the speech that sent him to prison that said, you know, that it's always the master class that declares the war and always the 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 working class that has to fight it. I assume World War One. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the one. That's the one that always got all got all those socialists thrown in jail. <laughs> and sadly, yeah, we are we are so far from the future in the stars that we're still living in that society. We're still living in the world where. The master class, be him Russian or American or Ukrainian, yeah, declares the wars and the working class fights it. And the working class gets bombed by it. Whether it's, you know, billions of dollars of American bombs or it's Russian bombs or it's whoever. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the men, women, and children, elderly that are dying because of the ruling class's choice to fight that war. Yep. And the reason they're fighting that war is profits. Yep. Why uh, else? Yeah, you got us back to a downer. Pretty I good. know. Okay, I'll try <laughs> to lift us back up. I have another Ooh. vague theory. <laughs> All right. Because I'm so good at explaining this. I, like a ba- I come with the news stories. You come with the vague I theories. I come with We've the got philosophy. Good... <laughs> <laughs> and not even like proper philosophy. Just like me, me thinking... <laughs> Christine's thoughts. Okay, I was I was chatting with with my husband, and he's, I mean, he's he's he was a Bernie guy. Let me put it that way. 
He's a good one. He's good. He's good. He's on the right side. But my guy has a bit too much of a penchant for West Wing. He has... Uh, he believes a little too much in the system. What can you say? He's he's a he's a privileged white man. It's it's worked pretty well for him so far, and I have to keep reminding him of that. Of like, hey, not everyone has it so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but one thing we bump up against a lot is is he'll be like, well, I'm just trying to be realistic, you know. I'm just trying to like work within the system and blah blah blah. And to me, I came up with another of my great metaphors. <laughs> mm. Communists, we get called idealist a lot. We get called, you know, that's that's sci-fi, like we said at the top. You know, it's it's so, you know, it's, it's the fucking beyond the pale singularity shit. Again, like the civilization, the point of this, you know, we can be better than how we were maybe designed or built or evolved or whatever you want to say. I don't know why I got weirdly theological there. <laughs> Intelligent design, by the way. No, um... The idea of we can be better than than how we started. I I thought of a good metaphor that I knew would win him over because I was like, you know, I think it's it's kind of like valuing monogamy. Uh, this is not at all a diss on people who do not value monogamy, but uh, what I would say is there's tons of research out there saying it fucks up all the time. <laughs> like there, there's a book called uh, mating in captivity i haven't read it yet but it gets referred to a lot in all the like advice columns i used to read um of <laughs> just how fucking difficult it is to maintain a long-term relationship and still feel romantic towards that person still want to still you know to not cheat on them to do all the things that we would consider in a monogamous relationship to be healthy and there's so many studies out there that say like hey like humans might not even be wired for this. Like we have a 50% failure rate. Like what the fuck does that say? You know? <laughs> yeah. And for, for me, I would say I feel similarly to, to communism of like, yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> we don't have a perfect record <laughs> just for sure. And we're also here to dispute that record. But what I would say is it's something to strive for. It's something to look at and say, I value this. It's something to, it, it is a, a post you can tie yourself to and, and keep, in your little horizon. So it's not, you're saying it's not perfect in the same way, you know, monogamy has all these, <laughs> all these sort of glaring holes and it's like, it's hard to do. So I've heard. Yeah, well, yeah. And, 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 and some people, people don't will, do it and that's fine. Well, but people will level. I think it's a good analogy because some people will level the accusation that it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Humans can't, Mm-hmm. It's bad, you know, and, and some people say, no, but it's like, it's, it's natural. It's good. It's God given or how we you know, whatever. In that same way, it's, it's sort of that human nature argument, but really it's more squishy. It's more in the middle. It's more like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard, you know, but it can be done. It's malleable. Yeah, I, I would say, and marriage isn't a great example because there's also lots of studies of like, hey, like, guess what? It's harder to, to stay in, you know, in a long-term relationship if you're poor because guess what? Life is more stressful when you're poor. Um, Whoa, weird. <laughs> weird, oh man. But what what you were saying of it's squishier than that is we get to determine what yeah. human nature is. Mm-hmm. We get to choose that path. We get to say... Well, I want, I, you know, I don't care what I'm wired for. This is what I'm going to 
be. And yeah. I mean, they, I mean, that's one of the reasons I love the trans community so much because they are making such an active choice. You know, we're saying this is what I was told. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. It's autonomy. I, I think that's how we should. I mean, we should have this sort of transhumanist. Transhumanists and transhumans, please. <laughs> yeah, like we we should have that outlook. I think towards things is to see our natural, you know, the natural channels, the natural sort of boundaries that we're given as the obstacles and guidelines. I mean, this is not. It's not hard and fast. I mean, you know, and it wasn't hard and fast for, if you want to really get evolutionary about it, it wasn't hard and fast for our ancestors or whatever. It was just the constraints that they felt, you know, and for, with any living organism, any sort of evolutionary pressure that said, this is how your species is, was always a guideline because if you ended up with a mutation that was better in some way or another, you drifted toward that way because that was just like what was good for you. Yeah, and there's lots of you branches know? that did not work out. The only change now is that we are able to consciously, and really that's actually a debatable change because who knows which species and, and whatnot could consciously do this or could not. Our mm. science is very constrained on that. The The science of consciousness for various organisms oh, God, is like yeah, we're pretty ridiculous. We don't know. no idea. Dolphins, like, pigs. Does it like, like mirrors? <laughs> which right, is not like, a good it's, test. It's pretty smart. I don't know. Yeah, you know, like, so... <laughs> There's a good chance, you know, if you're eating bacon, it was conscious, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're eating dolphin, it was probably Pro- conscious. Probably, uh, man. Those guys are smart. Octopus also. Octopus, probably pretty smart. Point is, like, <laughs> as humans, I think that we innately get, but then sometimes people win us over into another position, but we innately get that we should be able to shape our own destiny. We should be able to just decide that for ourselves, for as ourselves as individuals, or ourselves as a society, we we like can get together we can make decisions we can chart our own course like that's a big part of our of the history that we learn and the history that we want to build together and i think the american quote unquote dream and i'm going to say literal dream because you got to be asleep to believe it is <laughs> that you do have that control and i think the process of waking up from that dream is is untangling the systems that have determined what you even want from the dream in the first place and also how viable it is given your lot in life. And I would turn that on its head too and say that there is a subversive American like real dream. Mm. The what we you know what what we teach kids and stuff but turned on its head of like really like not as this sort of class interest project of Oh, the American dream, be the small landowner and all this sort of stuff. But I mean, the innate, the real, the you, the, the kindergarten socialism. There, there is that of, well, let's make this place better. Like, and and we've seen this, like how, how long has has America had a socialist project going on, you know, and Eugene Debs and these guys who were building the early, versions of this and the socialist labor party and Daniel DeLeon and all this, there were working people, you know, who said, Hey, what have we like come together? And what have like the people and the workers and the farmers and the laborers, and you can go to the populist party and the greenback party mm-hmm. and all these guys who said, what if like the common working people in the U S 
and then later they unite with the rest of the world. What if they got to determine things for themselves? Like there is this sort of kind of actual American dream that runs counterfactual to the founding mythology of let's build up this property owning Republic, this slave owning Republic where certain people have certain prescribed rights and Hamilton's over there. And every, all those guys are saying like, let's limit democracy as much as we can because we don't <laughs> want the rabble taking over. Yeah, this is a lot of what uh, Howard Zinn talks about in people's history. Oh yeah. Is yeah. America as an exercise in limiting democracy, Ugh. you know, Truly. and there is this countervailing. And I think that's, that's the beauty of what he wrote is there's this, countervailing like tendency of people really wanting to govern themselves in a way that we were saying earlier, like we're not teaching things anymore. Like we don't teach that, you know, where people really wanted to actually have their own destiny in their hands and they end up pushing that away into this stronger central government of, of merchants and of, uh, slave owners, you know, this sort of, this state's rights sort of regime that they end up with. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't know, I, I keep thinking of, I think you said it last week, maybe, or the, you know, the last shoot in the shit, maybe, of like, we're just people that, like, want our basic needs met. Like, you know, we're all just humans mm-hmm. that, like, want to live, and, like, a lot of us want to have children that want to live, and, like, that's, I think, what it comes down to. Again, some kindergarten fucking shit. I might make that into a shirt. Maybe some basic shapes <laughs> <laughs> and like primary colors. It just says kindergarten communist. <laughs> <laughs> you should. It's. Uh, I don't know. At this point, it's the the most basic thing to me is this sort of ethos of like that's what's right, though, right? Yeah. Like, take care of each other, as nice, as Bill and Ted would say, <laughs> be awesome to each other. <laughs> see the, i got us back up <laughs> and yeah and it's 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 really so basic and the crazy thing is you can frame that in really anything i mean like really thoroughly capitalist things can be like yeah baby likes each other i mean like they get it they understand that that's right that that's what we should do they do but the, i'm telling you every time they'll say that's not realistic you know and that's just the boot is fucking wet and i said well let's take instead of just sitting here and say that boot's wet why don't you take it out of the fucking water first <laughs> yeah but that's one of the powers of this is sort of gramscian but that's one of the powers of capitalism is being able to commodify that which even vilifies it is selling like, you the boot and the water yeah. <laughs> you want some more water for that boot? Because I got it for you. Exactly. Is this is criticism of it? Like let's let's make this cool, market this and sell this. And even if it is critical of itself, it's it's fine. I mean, like you, you never you never had this in and you know, for all the descriptions of how oppressive and how terrible and everything living under the iron curtain was. <laughs> You never had any of this gross commodification. They didn't. They didn't release blockbuster hits of, of um, oh, the horrors of capitalism or whatever in their <laughs> movie theaters. Like they didn't have this commodification of the other and, uh, and this like, this weird, gross, 
transactional thing of like, oh, you have a complaint about us and now it's a blockbuster movie that we're making money off of. But, you yeah, know, like they yeah. didn't have that. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. But that's that's part of the things I think that makes people despair about our system is that, you know, whenever you watch something eye-opening, some sort of movie, you know, you watch... Because, I mean, we've had however many, several in our lifetime movies that are kind of groundbreaking or kind of very anti-capitalist or, you know, like, uh, well, there's a recent example, Parasite, you know, or The Platform or all these, all these sort of things that are, that are, is, uh, Squid Game and mm-hmm. these things that are pretty anti-cap. <laughs> I mean, they got an edge on them, anti-capitalist, but what does it serve? Yeah, you know? yeah. Who who profited from that? And it's like even that. I mean, like you can raise awareness with it and whatever. And we like to do the old stuff and 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 really dive into it. But it's part of the same studio that you know they released it. So so they co opted. I don't know. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Like that that's a weird thing to repackage to your people. Like you're so confident that even if they. Even yeah. if that is a hit and everyone's like, that seems cool. We should do that. You're so confident in your ability, either your ability to squash them, which you probably totally have, um, or their, their comfort, their, their, or, or their, uh, what's the word? Misanthropy, maybe? Is that how you say that word? Yeah, misanthropy is one. Yeah, like you're so confident in their their inability to, to take that and, and move it forward, I guess, if they're like, oh, that, well, that's just, you know, I can't actually do that. Yeah, they're, they, they're distrust in their fellow people. Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Well, yeah, so. It's true. If it's you have true. this mis- misanthropy of, of distrust, you know, like you, 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 sh- you don't like other people you're distrustful of them i mean then, shit like, have you seen the news like every day someone's getting shot for knocking on a fucking door or or jesus christ they had the 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 shooting over in allen oh I mean, my, that was that fucking was close as fuck that was so i was close. talking to my colleague he's like i shop there like all those of us where i go for like holiday shopping jesus christ I guys know. A, and and the guy he's a he's a a race there's some sort of like a right-wing death squad thing he's he's on about fucking hispanic name like mm-hmm. what is he even doing like you can't get invited to those fucking groups you're trying to be a part of like what I, are you doing it's the ultimate assimilationist self-hating terrifying some sort of shit. mental health thing too but oh absolutely like, what the fuck but it was yeah that, that one was, was disturbing to me that one was really rough i gotta say like and it was kids oh and it was just and and it's and on the other hand it's just like random because it's like what would you do you know what? What? What is your precautionary measure? There's, there's none. There's none. I mean, like, don't do. Like, be more suspicious. There's, it's almost like an op. I mean, like, what? Like, how do you react to that? Like, you, you don't have a no. I, have a I sensible get, one. I get a real anxiety when I go to like a crowded public place or like a show or you know anything like that. I'm just like, oh god, it could happen here. You know? Yeah. Ugh, it's fucked. I don't know what to do about that. I don't either. You know, I, you know, we're getting close to our two hour mark here. So I don't know if, if today's the day, <laughs> but I have been thinking more about guns and I don't, I don't fucking know is the short answer. So, cause we've gotten listener feedback on, on socialist gun societies. Pro and anti. 
pro and anti. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's really, I, I would say right now, the circumstances are such that like, it seems insane not to do something in terms of restrictions. But I would, again, I would, I think I've said this before on the shows, I would also want to in hand with that, go ahead and defund that police. So they don't have as many guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause we would need guns for, for cool fictional revolutions. <laughs> there's not a good response. There's not a good one. There's, we've been set up to fail in that. The reason there's not a good response is that if you were able to make a clean sweep of people randomly in the population who just had a mental health crisis or whatever and wanted to go shoot something up and you could ramp this up and you could say, let's, let's imagine that we could get a hundred percent of people who just had a bad day that year (laughs) and wanted to go postal as Mm -hmm. they used to say. Oh yeah. If you could still round them up all together with one gun law, you'd have 10 more the next day. You would have 10 more the next day and 10 more the next day sponsored by whom? Uh, and set up by whom? Because like, I mean, the, the sad fact of the matter is get as conspiratorial as you want about it. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, but how many of our mass shooters of various circumstance have been previously people of interest? Yes. Talked to for some reason? the fbi flagged in some way and and down from like the local level too of like you know a teacher or whoever will say like yeah they were already suspended or something there's the i think a fairly sizable possibility that if you were able to crack down 100 percent on everything that you seemingly could prevent there would still be this outside trickle which would still probably happen uh, based on a society that has been dedicated since at least, well, this is actually very generous, but still in our <laughs> lifetime since at least 2001, we get the war on terror and everything with making people completely afraid. It's a fear-based society. That yeah. is all it is at this point. I mean, because you remember they broke out the anthrax male thing. They broke, everything was always put to put you on on edge of what could happen and and that's the goal of everything is to make more money of course but like the goal <laughs> the goal in the intermediate is to is give like, me the power i'll make the bad guys go away go away right i yeah be afraid of all these things yeah yeah god damn it Gray. We, we came back down oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i don't often solicit takes but I'd be I'd be really interested to know what what the broader left community thinks about guns because I I know I it seems willfully destructive to be to to not try to prevent them at this point just because it is such a it's insane like the stats on her are just insane. I could give you a different person to end on to just just punch at or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's end on an upper. All right. I uh, read a an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, and they, they gave Marco Rubio some space to write. Oh, good. What has that guy remember been doing? Marco Rubio? I remember Marco Rubio. All right. Florida Gusano, Marco Rubio. <laughs> Is Gusano like slang for ex-Cuban? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I like how I picked that up. I was like, it sounds bad, and <laughs> yeah, it's warm, you know, but it's excuse. Yeah, that's really funny. Yep. Uh, deserve it. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, he fucking sucks. Wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, and it was about junk food. It said, "No more subsidies for junk food." Oh, Mr. Small Government, what's going on? This is exactly what I was thinking. As I clicked <laughs> on this, I said, teach me communism. We agree with Rubio. <laughs> you know, like the corn lobby, you know, yeah, it's rigged yeah. our system into terrible outcomes for people and all this. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Definitely not. No. Okay. <laughs> so he was talking about was that subsidizing the corn lobby. This is not what he's talking about. Uh, he wants to target poor people. Oh, my God. He wants to exclude junk food from SNAP. the Supplemental Nutrition Assistant Program, or yep. SNAP. Yep. Oh, my God. Of course it is. <laughs> All right, guys. Let me say this. As someone who went vegan for nine months, because, well, I didn't. My partner did, and I had to help. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, your classic triangle. You've got cheap, tasty, healthy. Choose two. And with vegan, that's like choose one, maybe. Because Jesus Christ, to make things that are like both filling and supply your nutritional needs and taste good and don't cost an arm and a leg or time time was the huge thing with with being vegan was like i'm gonna make a fucking chimichurri sauce and i gotta fucking dry my tofu out like <laughs> it's just a mm-hmm. pain in the ass it's a pain in the fucking ass Ugh. and um you know dealing with food deserts and everything oh my god my fucking neighborhood jesus we don't even go to the the kroger that's near us it's it never has anything <laughs> Every time we're like, surely it'll have potatoes, and then it won't fucking have potatoes. Like I just don't go there anymore. Yeah, and that's that's what Rubio wanted to uh, exacerbate was let's make sure uh, that you can't get anything to feed your family at all mm. when you go to the store. Okay, this is really stupid. This is just a funny note to end on. I listen to a comedy podcast. Uh, I haven't caught up with where they are currently. Cause I went back and listened to the back catalog for comfort. <laughs> uh, but it's called my brother, my brother and me. I've made you listen to it a couple of times. Um, yeah, I've heard it. They had this, <laughs> they had this running gag. Uh, I think in like 2020 or 2021 where they were like, yeah, uh, Ted Cruz likes to piss his pants cause he likes the warm feeling between his legs. And it just like <laughs> said that as if it were true. Like, yeah, I heard that about him. <laughs> it's just so funny and they would say the whole sentence every time like did you know that it's really good and i don't know just thinking about people i haven't thought about for a while uh like marco rubio made me think of ted cruz who does like to piss his pants because he likes the warm feeling between his legs that's like uh what they did with greg abbott they said he was a piss baby or something (laughs) read it i didn't hear that one well i know for a while we we liked to say that ted cruz was a zodiac killer that was a fun one too Oh, yeah. I mean, I like, like spreading he is. misinformation. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is, uh, though. Yeah, he, he, he is, he was, he continues to be, he's at large, <laughs> he's cackling in the shadows. Uh, oh. He's probably, like, currently at the scene of one of his crimes, mm-hmm. as, as they say, you know, they always return. Um, and he's, he's definitely there. And he's pissing his pants. There is one <laughs> back, this was... Yeah, back in 2022, uh, people were talking about Greg Abbott on Reddit. The <laughs> One of the subreddits, Political Humor, required that all posts include the phrase, Greg Abbott is a little piss baby. 
or else they would ban people from the forum. That's really good. Because Texas passed a content moderation law. That, you know, <laughs> it was one of those like, uh, you can't post bad shit on Facebook uh-huh, uh-huh. sort of laws that were going around then. That's so funny. And so, so, so there, it was all prefaced with like, Greg Abbott is a little piss baby. Anyway. Or, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Oh. Which he is. I mean, like, yeah, he sucks. he's, he's a certified like, piss mean, baby. If, if anyone, uh, you know, the Christians will say that Jesus Christ is all merciful. Uh, I don't uh, think he but, should be for this one. But he, yeah, his his mercy does not always extend to his to his Piss even babies. his most loyal followers. <laughs> and I would say uh, that Greg Abbott is not really worthy of even the 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 shadow of the shade of the scent of <laughs> Christ's mercy. I would agree. Uh, <laughs> would love to. Tip him directly into a volcano. But I, I mean, I admit this is a shortcoming of mine. And, you know, you know <laughs> the, the, the almighty would see it differently and all yeah, that. But, God's love is infinite. But, but have hey, you met Greg Abbott? <laughs> the Marines would say, kill them all. And let God sort them out. And the revolutionaries would say, um, <laughs> God can go through the, the bodies that our guillotine <laughs> produces. Yay. We have to come up with some ver- version of that to sound cool. We do. We do. Um, <laughs> I, I just always think of the, the shrugging, God's not here, <laughs> cosmonaut, which is still, I really want to put it up somewhere <laughs> in my house and just wait for our parents to be like, what is, yeah. what is that? <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's, that's the, the Russian cosmonaut thing. No God. There no is no God. God. <laughs> Shrug. <laughs> huh? It's my favorite. Best art. No, he should do the, uh, the home improvement sound. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tim Allen would like that, obviously. I know he's conservative as fuck, but uh <laughs> No, he you just have to convince him that like God, the character in this scene is like Santa Claus. Mm. Who he re- replaces in the Santa Claus. Yes. So he can just be like, What? God no, there there's no Santa Claus here. <laughs> Uh, I had a dream when I was little that uh, Santa Claus was God's brother. Well, I mean, you know, he's a saint, so that's close. <laughs> he's up there. He knows the guy. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a weird enough note to end on, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Send us your God Santa's theories. No, you're good. <laughs> what are we doing next week? Next week, we're going to learn about South Africa. Oh, are we going to learn about those emerald mines, eh? Uh, Mostly not, no. Okay. We're going to learn about uh, <laughs> the Communist Party of South Africa. Hell yeah. And what fucking shit they did, which was cool. It's it's really, it's going to be a lot narrower in scope than you're hoping, probably, maybe, depending on your South African, like, scope of history. I don't I know. I have none of it. It's a ton. Like, I got into... Like three million rabbit holes before deciding, <laughs> hey, I've got to, I've really got to narrow this in. So. This is why we switched to the bi weekly format, people. He's yeah. got to explore. It's part of the process. <laughs> and like when we're, once we're meeting uh, for our shooting the shit, I'm usually like on the tail end of finding out just how far oh off into the abyss I could have fallen. And, 
reining myself into it. So I'm, I'm like in the narrowing process. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, actually here. So. You stress me out. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, what do I need to read and start researching now, even though that's not till June? Oh. <laughs> no, and I'll, oh. tell, I'll tell Abby, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've been... I've been reading a lot about this, but I really, I've, I've written like three things on my notes. I've, I've like, I've got literally five bullet points. Idiot. And it's like two days before. God. I mean, I shouldn't say it. it fucking works is the thing. We've been doing this show for what? It'll be three years now, which is fucking insane. It's, oh, gosh. yeah, it's oh, incredible. Gosh. And in the heady old days, we were talking about the downfall of the empire at the hands mm. of the people's demonstration of the outrage, you know, the... Because what were they, you know, they were, they were they were lynching people and it was George Floyd yeah. and everything. And and was, here we are. It in was the, a different time. <laughs> and I think, honestly, I encourage our listeners to, I, th- this to me is healthy. I like this. And I don't know if it works for most people, but I, I like adopting a sci-fi point of view for reality too. Mm. Is understanding our timeline as a timeline. Right. And saying like, cause we're like, we're living in the timeline of this, right. Of like, it's kind of like, it's almost perceiving of your timeline as a negative timeline, a, a bad one. <laughs> we took the bad path. Cause we are like, yeah, I mean, we definitely like we're, did. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in the side where it all peached out. It all sucked. <laughs> it all got absorbed. Did and not get people galvanized. were able to, you know, yeah. And, and if you can see, these timelines is more malleable than that than it i in some ways it's i don't know it's more fluid it gives you more agency of for the future of like well that seems set in stone to me but maybe it wasn't yeah i don't like timeline as much as i like I don't it's know. a little bit marvel i get no 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 <laughs> But they use timelines, don't they? No, they do, they do. It's always like like reboots, yeah. No, I, I like it more in the, the macro, micro sense. I think just because I, I, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. When you read a book mm-hmm. about aliens, it makes you think about that shit of, you know, we're going forward somehow on a galactic scale, but also the everyday is important too. Do both. Ah, so like, we're making steps on the overall progress, but we're backsliding in the current <laughs> Well, I would social? hope that you're, you personally are not backsliding. <laughs> no, yeah. That's what I'm saying is I can try to, to do some small things, I guess. That's also true. There is always this personal struggle. Remember our episode on, and go back to listen to that episode if you haven't lately, because honestly, I need to. I need to reread uh, Mao's combat liberalism. Mm, yeah, yeah. We always need that. We always need this, like, calling back to the old true faith of, are you gossiping too much about people instead <laughs> of fucking doing shit? Are you being too utopian instead of planning to do shit? Are you saying that you are a big fucking shot when you're actually just a chump? Like, I mean, like... <laughs> Take uh, stock, you know? I mean, like, I got to go back and revisit that because really, it's it should be foundational for people. I mean. Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> All right, next week, uh, South African Communist Party. Great. We'll re-meet we'll re uh, at that time, and I will not have 
drunk as much alcohol. <laughs> That's probably a good call because you're teaching it. Uh, <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, oh, I'll see you tomorrow. All right. See you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.